Hi, you are listening to Serious Banter, a podcast at the intersection of business, entrepreneurship, tech, and popular culture. We bring together people with views worth sharing, and we banter. We take a lighthearted approach to somewhat serious matters of popular interest. This is Serious Banter. Shall we begin? All right, everyone. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, today is Tuesday, August uh, 18th, I think. Uh, it's another episode of Serious Banter. Uh, I hope everyone will have fun like we've always, always had on the show. We talk about serious stuff, but we have uh, a light conversation around it. And so today won't be any different. Today we have an interesting topic to to discuss, and I think everybody's jumping at the beat to get going. So first I'll start, and then Justin will uh, lay the groundwork, and then everybody else will introduce themselves. We don't introduce people, you introduce yourself. You're not going to give me extra work. (laughs) All right, so, so today we're talking about why are you like this? Why are you the way you are? Uh, I'll give an example, just to run down myself. I, my parents divorced when I was very young. My mom remarried, my dad remarried. Ooh, we're going um, deep today. I was born in America. I grew up in Lagos. I left Nigeria, moved back to the U.S. when I was 20. Started college. Uh, three years into my university education, I had cancer. I finished school, got a really good job. About six, seven years into my career, I started a startup. So there are a lot of things about me that's the way that makes me the way I am. I don't know if anyone wants to start that way, but you know that's the way I am. And there are a lot of things to unpack into how men and women relate with each other and how we do things the way we do. So Justin, as the more as a PhD affidavit holder on the show, <laughs> take, take it away. You see how you see how he sets me up. After leading with, we don't introduce people. You introduce yourself, telling us your life story. Now, through hey, I'm not people divorce. now. I'm not people. And that's how you're going to play it today. Okay, but why are you like this? That's you see. These are the issues. Why are you like this? <laughs> uh, I already told you that my upbringing is not balanced. So. <laughs> all right, all right, so, um, Dustin. Welcome, everybody. First of all. It's it's always exciting to to get people to to be willing to step up and have this conversation. Like I was having a private chat with one of us. It's it's amazing how Serious Banter has evolved from me and Bola basically just not having anything to do with ourselves during COVID and deciding, okay, let's just talk. And then we realized that people wanted to listen to what we were talking about and that these were actually conversations that were worth having. So here we are. Now, why are we here today, or why why did we choose to talk about this today? I mean, what we try to do is let the conversations evolve organically. What's, what is relevant or what is important to people? And everybody's timeline has been inundated with different examples of people behaving badly all over the place. <laughs> Men, women, everybody basically just behaving badly and... We've been planning to have this conversation, this gendered... Okay, I think we're back. Were we off? <laughs> <laughs> was I speaking to the air? 
<laughs> oh, it's yeah. Okay, can you guys hear me? No, can you guys fine. Hear me? I mean, I yeah, it was I didn't fine. Do anything it was was off. fine. Yeah. I think it's only him. Okay, so uh, it might be from my end. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you need yeah. to, you want need to warn this your MTN in Houston network providers, please. <laughs> don't have time for that today. Yes, I heard you. Leave that one. Just continue. Continue. Don't worry. Leave my <laughs> leave my internet. <laughs> All right. So uh, it's been okay. So it's a conversation we've been looking at with some trepidation and with some dread. I might add this conversation about gender, gender roles. The whole gender thing is a difficult conversation to have, but it is necessary to have it. And we've been, you know, walking on shells around it. But this time around, I said, "Bola, we need to have this conversation." You know, uh, uh, are you sure you're not tiptoeing now? No. Okay. No, no, catch you today. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, catch you today. Um. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. Please, uh, well, you you see, guys have my full authority to 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 attack Justin. Please, we are, nobody's yeah. attacking anybody. It's it's such uh, a sensitive topic, and the reason why I said walking on shells around it is not necessarily because we are shy about having the conversation, but because as with what we try to do, or staying consistent with what we try to do on serious banter, we want to have the conversation with people who across the board can reasonably constructively discuss the topic we don't we don't want to have another what's the term we, we don't want to have a fight or no let's let's just come together and talk about this thing from the different perspectives and people get an insight into how the other thinks about it so along comes this conversation one particular one on Irene's timeline which interestingly Happened at the right time. So we have people talking about, what's that thing? Some guy posted up a topic. The original thread was on Reddit where he says he and his spouse had agreed to have a joint account to fuse their finances, more or less. And unbeknownst to him, she was keeping back 10%. And he finds out four years down the line that she was keeping back 10%. And he was bringing in his 100%. And the guy says, Auntie, this is not how we planned it now. So you know what's going to happen. I understand your reasons for keeping it back, eh? but you didn't tell me. So, And this is me shallying the whole thing. So what's going to happen is I'm going to take my own share to catch up with you on where you're at. And the woman says, heck no. you trifling human being. You're abusive. And I think they're talking divorce at this point in time. And the conversation has gone in 10 million and one directions with the usual people digging in, <laughs> people digging into their extreme positions and losing objectivity about the subject. Another, another interesting um, topic that I also saw trending was the one where, anyway, without giving too many examples, these are the conversations that we want to have. This was just an example. Why, do, why are we like this? Why do the guys do the things they do? Why do the women do the things they do? And our thesis, or my working thesis is, a lot of it has to do with sociocultural issues, you know, background, upbringing, geography, where you are in the world, 
people are socialized differently and then men are socialized differently than women. I was just tweeting a few a few hours ago that nobody teaches anybody really how to do this adulting thing. And a lot of people are basically modeling through and then we have these extremes and it's difficult to hear one another. So why are we like this, guys? Okay, so are we going back to the example of the money? We want to talk about why we have different joint accounts. Can we go there first? Well, serious matter. Like you can do whatever you want. You well, serious matter. It's how you how you like it. Put it how you want to put it. I know my uncle told me, you know, when I was married, I'm divorced now, but my uncle told me when I was married, he said, listen, because, you know, I was getting these big, huge bonus checks. He said, (laughs) do yourself a favor. He said, because, you know, we, we have a joint account. My husband and I, we had a joint account. I believe in joint accounts. So that's not, you know, I'm not against that at all. However, since, you know, the bonus checks were separate and apart, he's like, listen, Take that bonus check, go put it in the savings for a rainy day. You never know what could possibly go wrong. So this way, the money sat and just grew in another account for a rainy day. And that's exactly what it was used for. Anything that could possibly come up. When we bought a car, at the time I lied and said, my uncle gave me the money, but I took the money from the rainy day account. You know what I mean? So (laughs) we put, like, it was a big amount, a chunk big chunk of a down payment you know things like that so i just i do believe in rainy day funds i think that you know it's not a bad thing and just so everyone knows my name is ani akpe i'm the founder of african women in technology i've been in finance background for over 25 years so anyway as a finance person i see absolutely nothing wrong with you taking months monies for a rainy day account Provided that that's exactly what it's for. It's a not a touchable account. Even it's if it's non, non-disclosure. I or non-disclosed. It's, hey, there's going to be a lot of non-disclosures in marriages. And if y'all don't know that, <laughs> wake up to it because there's going to be a lot of things. I just don't believe in you taking the money to go splurge and do dumb things. You wouldn't know. You know, ultimately, you'll find that out. But you do need to have funds that you just don't touch. Can, can, well, I, can I jump in I, there? Sorry. Yes, Sunny, go on. Oh, okay. So, uh, Sunny Yusuf, um, the only guy here. So, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be. Wait, I'm not the only guy here. Come okay. on. <laughs> you, you see me, right? Sunny, you see me. He's the only male guest. Exactly. You know, jokes aside, like, you know, Sunny Yusuf. Two things I actually want to touch on. First of all, it was interesting when Justin was talking about, you know, why, why, why we are where we are, right? He talks about the social, cultural norms and everything, but there's one side, which is a side I actually really, really, I guess I'm a student of, or like a pseudo-student of, which is actually also the biological side, which is the taboo side that we don't like to talk about because it is touchy. There are a lot of things that we tell, correlations that we see that maybe we don't necessarily like as well, but we can talk about, touch on that a little bit later. But to go back to Annie's point, is like, uh, I do agree with Annie that, yeah, there'll be a lot of, if some buts, even me, my own self, I have money that I'm hiding for myself, you know. <laughs> like, I have money for my own good that I'm hiding for myself, like, don't see. But I feel like, not to, like, again, I'm not trying to start anything here, but there's something here that, based off of that conversation on Twitter, which is, let's remember, 
that they had an agreement. A husband and a wife had a fundamental contractual agreement. Like, you're going to tell me everything you're earning, and I'm going to tell you everything I'm earning, and we're going to take both of everything we're earning, and we're going to put it here. All right? If one person goes out, I've never been married before. All right? Not that I know at least. Uh, but if one person goes out of that and says, you know, like, it's not a white line or anything, and then goes and, like, like husband finds out after three years, that is the seat as a basic, basic level. Because I'm pretty sure, yeah, where we're going on about, like, okay, you know, is he an abuser or everything? Like, if it was the other way around, where it was Madame that was bringing 100% and our guy was keeping 10%, the way Twitter would have, like, made this thing go around would be different. That's all I'm going to say. So we should, we should keep that, like, we should keep that energy. That's all I'm saying for now. Okay, so my, my thoughts on this is this. First of all, is the fact that I, I personally do not support the, everybody bring 100%. And the reason is that I believe that everybody should have a sense of what makes, what is theirs, what is theirs alone. I don't know, like, okay, like Sani said, I've never been married before as well. But I always feel that in every relationship, you have to have, you know, you have to be whole yourself. And being whole yourself is not just your emotions. It's not just, you know, your goals, your, you know, all the other things. It's also money. It's also, you know, having your own money, you know, that thing that belongs to you is that thing that gives you that sense of yourself that sense of confidence, you know, and all of that. And so, you know, I do not begrudge her for wanting that. But just like, you know, the average guy on the street who says, I want a Bentley, there's a way to go about it, you understand? The fact that you want a Bentley and, you know, you deserve a Bentley or you should have a Bentley does not mean that, you know, it's going to be at someone's expense. If you want a Bentley, go, go get a Bentley, you know? So it has to be... It, it cannot be on the altar of deceit. It cannot be on the altar of, you know... And, and money issues are very, very delicate. Money money and time are, are famously said to be the biggest indicators of people's priorities and who they really are at their core. So it, it's it's really that thing that brings out the good or the devil in people. When, when I looked at it and all the, all the narratives and how she was coming from this background of, of abuse... And so she had every reason to be apprehensive and worry and all of that. It highlights something that, you know, I, I find recurring in a lot of, not just our debates, but the way that we interact in the sense that, you know, we're so overwhelmed with the need to protect ourselves and, you know, our apprehension, our pain. What is, what is the thing that is bothering us that, you know, it kind of blinds us from seeing, one, the bigger picture, and two, how that how our reaction is affecting others. So you know, everybody say, "Oh yes, he's been traumatized." She's been traumatized, and it's true. She has been traumatized, and you know, she's coming from this history that needs to be explored and everything. But let's also remember that the next person is not a therapist. It's not the person who is adequately trained to handle your mental health. So if your mental health if, if your issues are such that they are precluding you from being able to interact with the next person and be fair and equitable to the next person, then perhaps what is very key is to actually look for ways to fix that particular thing. I mean, the guy, the guy had the same reaction anybody would have to being, to finding out that, you know, 
I'm a hundred percent here and every, and and you know no other person is a hundred percent. The first thing that you do when you feel vulnerable and naked is want to cover yourself. Oh, so let's let's even the skills, let's get things right, let's level the playing field. Well, many people have said, you know, oh maybe he was a bit harsh, maybe he was wrong. But I I'm telling you, when I read that story, I imagined it was my money. And I saw all the shades of the rainbow. Oh my God! I saw everything. You know, I went from livid to rage. I went. I went. I experienced many emotions, and I'm like, okay, if it was my money, would I have the same reaction as he did? My God, there will be a very, very big fight before we can start talking about. I don't know, forty percent even in the scales and whatnot, whatnot, whatnot. We <laughs> we then burn down something first. Then you know, we now say, okay, now we have fought the war. Let's now agree. Or what to do next? So it's 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 those for me. It 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 really is those considerations. I think that the more that I think about it, I, the more that I see that you know, is there really a right or wrong way to address it? Maybe not. You know, not in black and white because it also depends on you know the personalities of the people involved. Let's, let's get let's get uh, Mary's perspective real quick. So I think the first conversation that we need to have is. You know, I think we, first of all, have assumed that both parties in this particular situation are equal contributors. I think that there's a more likelihood of things when both parties are not contributing equally. So there are sometimes, and in the cases also with many African women, you know, <clears throat> a disproportionate number of African women are largely sometimes the head of households. They're the ones contributing mostly to the family. And so when you have that, why is Sonny making his face? So I'm speaking <laughs> fat here. <laughs> I see Sonny's face like going up. Can I, but, can I so a, when a you have people who are not a contributing equally to, to the family or to the household, then you're more likely to have someone hiding thing you know wait wait can i can i land can i land first and so we know so i think i think that's the the point of the conversation is that we have assumed that both parties are equal contributors the instances i know that this context came from reddit and it's probably like maybe a u.s based situation i'm not sure what the context is but i also think context is important but when you look at in content context disproportionate number of women are the largely the contributors and so when you have families where one person is contributing more than the other person then you, that, that individual, especially the woman, is most. And I think in this instance, I personally think that that's okay. So I think in the instance where both parties are not contributing equally, then things like this are likely to happen, whereby one person feels that I'm doing 75 or 80%. I'm paying bills, paying the rent, doing everything. And maybe the other party is contributing 20%. Then for that 20%, the rest of their own 20%, they want to keep that. They want to hide that. They want to build on that. And they want to save that in the event that anything happens to them. I consider that very proactive. You know, I consider that, you know, 
And I consider Where's that fair, drawing? to be very honest. So that's that's what I'd like to say. This? This, this, is the, this is like hide and seek. Like, why are we playing games? I see Sunny just making all kinds of faces. Sunny is waiting to watch this. Right. Right. It's like we're playing no, games. Every, everybody was in agreement until she mentioned, until the marriage was mentioned. Marriage yeah. factor. Be, but, be, I mean, this is where I want to jump on. I mean, okay. I had money. I could tell you, I had money. So, yeah, yeah. but my purpose is oh, for hiding. Yes, I keep money. But my purpose for hiding the money wasn't necessarily because I looked at it as like I made more than him. That was never the factor because the whole paycheck goes into a combined account. You know what I mean? So, but this was just the bonus money that you know we said. Hey, I said, you know what? Let me put half in the account and then half into an account that just doesn't get touched. So it's money hiding for our future. That's why I saw it. Sunny, go. So that you don't explain. Okay. So, 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 <laughs> it's very, you know, when, I remember when you invited me for this program because my reply to that thread was men must be evil. All right. Because that's the thing. What I think this is a textbook, no disrespect, yeah, but this conversation is a textbook. This guy, there's a whole thread on Twitter where the only context we know is the thread on Twitter. But because we all, like, based on the way this conversation has gone, has gone we wanted in some way, nah, it's got to be the guy's fault. He's got to be paying more. We're creating all these interesting scenarios. Like, <laughs> Scena- <laughs> scenario. We are doing skitty pop you know, because that's the only way we can actually then create this very interesting movie, this avatar, like three-hour Bollywood, to make to make the guy that okay, it makes sense. The context we have based on the Reddit thing is they made an agreement. We don't know who earns more. It's actually it, it, it doesn't even like it, it doesn't even come to play. The whole idea is regardless who earns more or nothing, two people had an agreement, right? And one person broke that agreement. That is the fundamental thing at play. That's a breach of trust. It's the same breach if one person went out and cheated. It's the same principle. Because two people decided, I want to be your man. You want to be my girl, right? We're doing this thing, me and you. Now, if you're going to have 10% big on the side, right? Someone's going to be pissed. Right, and then now she's like, Oh, I need 40% boo boo too to make up for your 10%. The whole idea is there's deceit here, and everything okay. I've seen all right. Sorry, just I have two questions. Yeah, I, I, I want to know if there's your wife did this, how, how upset would you be? Like, you found out that she had an account that she'd saved all this money, and yeah. then somehow you found out, don't care how you found out, but then you found out, yeah, how upset would you be? Okay, 100%. Before I answer that, let me actually, like, the He's same thing married. I've seen, like, the way guys are going, yeah, the way guys are going about it, the way girls are going about it is very different, right? Because the guys is like, uh, the guys are always like, yo, this is a breach of trust. Why? Every time, like, most of the, the, the gals that I've been seeing, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he must be an abuser. He must be this. Like, they, they, we, the man must be bad. And I get it. <laughs> I get it. And to answer your question, Ania, right, if I found out that me and my girl, my yeah. wife, we had an agreement we signed it to, we had an agreement. Like, you know, we, 
What? We use knife to cut our hand and do. Okay. Okay. She's keeping ten percent. Oh, hundred percent. I've been with the guy. Dude. She's going on ice. hundred and ten percent. Because I could go get me another lady that's going to keep her word. All right, let's, hold on. Hold, hold on, guys. Let's wrap up this segment of of this whole money thing. Whoever wants to do it. Um, this is your last chance to talk about this thing. Then we are not going to agree. That's established. Last put on this particular piece, and let's go to the big picture. Give a one sentence blurb of how you feel about it, so we can move the heck on. That's what he yeah. said. So we can move. So we're not going to. No, we're not going to agree. It's clear. <laughs> so everybody, give your last beat on this particular subject, and let's move. Irene, I think you wanted to say something. Okay, so I, I, I was going to just throw two questions, but I'll, I'll, I'll make it one. The thing is this, it's clear that, you know, on the part of the woman, security is very important, and she needs yeah. a sense of, you know, that's what she's looking for, a sense of security. Sure. Something that says, you know, if the rug is pulled up from under my feet, you know, I need something. But my question is, can it be done without deceit? Is there any way? Have people in this, in history, in the life history of life, ever been able to save money without deceiving their partners, you know, and have that rainy day fund. And then, you know, if, if that is true, then let us face that. You know, that's that's really where I stand on this matter. So I, I wanted to say that, you know, I think everyone's relationship is different and marriage, what everyone looks for in marriage is different or relationships. But I also think that if you both agree on something, you should definitely follow through to it. And looking at the context of that conversation, it looked like there was an agreement from both of them that they were going to accomplish a very specific goal. And it looks like she may have backtracked on that. It also is interesting because it plays a role to this conversation where on Twitter, 90% of the time, right, majority of the time, the gal them are literally looking for why did this lady do she must there must be an Don't stop talking about what women are looking for. Talk about <laughs> men. Don't say your own Tony. What I can't I can't fight for what you. What are men looking for? <laughs> what are the guys are like, yo, this is the seat, which I think is the thing is like again, it's the seat is the seat, and I agree with Mary. If you're not happy, you go back to the negotiating right. table. If you yeah. go out of it, yeah. well, whatever you see now, it's you could get simple, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So this one has missed himself. Justin, <laughs> do, 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 Justin, do you want to... Off, off your mic, we can't save you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> All right, so I, I think I missed out on most everybody's blurb on, on the thing, but let me just give mine. Number one, principles are principles, and they are usually contexts independent if you like so that's another way of saying what is good for a is good for b in every relationship trust is a major bedrock in every position that someone takes in life there's usually a rationale when people manifest behaviors if you ask them they will offer you some explanation that is valid to them might not be valid to you might make totally no sense to you but the person offering it it's offering it from a position of, this is my perceived reality, right? This is what I think. This is what I believe. So coming from that place, the issue at the core of that conversation for me was a conversation was had and an agreement was reached. Now, where there was no duress, if at any point 
you weren't comfortable with the proposition because I saw comments like, "Oh, she probably agreed because she was pressured into agreeing." We don't know all, that. <laughs> don't all know of the all details that. we didn't have. Yeah, we didn't but... have any of that. What was said? Is Friends and family of the of the victim of the victim. Yeah, <laughs> this was agreed, and then four years down the line, one party finds out that you weren't holding up your end of the deal. Now there would be a reaction. Again, whether that reaction is an overreaction or whether the person uses a hammer to kill a fly in that context is a conversation that can be had but is different and separate from the core of the issue which is something led to this. And usually we get lost in the thickets. We get lost in the woods when we start discussing reactions to issues. And then you lose the plot altogether, and which is what I saw happening on Twitter. But again, my issue is Give what you expect in a relationship. If you expected trust and probity and honesty, if you had baggage from the past, you should be able as an adult, which is what it actually takes to be in a committed relationship, which is what marriage is supposed to be. Right? As an adult, I should be able to look at my situation and say objectively as much as possible because we're still human. I should be able to objectively say, you know what? I have these hang-ups. I have these issues. But I'm not going to let it color what's going on between me and you. So for a lot of people, you find out that every relationship is an active crime scene because of some previous thing that happened somewhere, right? So you come into <laughs> you come into a situation with somebody who had no business with wherever you were coming from or whatever you were dealing with. And the person is guilty until proven innocent. And that's just a formula for, for disaster, the kind that we've seen exemplified in that relationship. Now that takes me into the larger context of the conversation. It does appear to me at least that men and women, and this is going to sound very cliche, see things differently. And a lot of the time... Are you sure? <laughs> I, I thought we were one though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're being cute. <laughs> Sunny, you're Sunny, you better sit down. They will remove your, your password. I'm sorry for I you. I can't protect <laughs> you. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. We are wired differently. And you can come at it like Sunny said when he started. You can come at it from a physiological, biological perspective. I mean, that's stating the obvious. We are different. But then you would imagine that at, at the level of how we frame the world, Right, that the differences wouldn't be as stark. But then, that would be naive because a lot of things contribute to how we view the world because of we are the gender that we are. And then it colors conversations. And then there is the fact that women have had the short end of the stick for... Okay, Justin. Justin, just spit it out. Bear with me. Bear with me. Okay. The fact remains that women have had the short end of the stick in social constructs for a long time. So you should stop talking about women. Talk, <laughs> man, you're, you're Trust me, they are too what, strong voices. What, what so, I just said is know, an objective. Is a, I mean, I, I consider it an objective truth that women okay. have had the right. end of the stick, right? I mean, patriarchy is a thing. All right? So where that is true, eh? we need to look at how it has affected how we engage with one another and how we engage with issues because 
we generally are not making a success of it. People dig into extreme positions. And I, my thesis is, look, two things that are opposed to one another can be true at the same time. So it can be true that women have been oppressed in patriarchal systems for a long time, right? It can also be true that not all men are enablers of that system. And therefore, we do not need to have, turn every conversation into a gender war. It's not a we versus you thing. And let's examine why we do these things. What, what do we tell the girls when they're young? What do we tell the boys when they're young, right? That are leading to this. I mean, I'm raising two kids. I'm married with two kids. I have a 12-year-old son and I have a 10-year-old daughter who is going on 11 in a few months. And in the course of this conversation, I'll probably talk about how this plays out in even my attempts at parenting because nobody thought of this, this, this thing. Like I said, no, nobody sat me down and said, this is how to be a father. I mean, I, you know, I was raised by my mother. So, yeah. Let me shut up before Annie shuts me up. Annie, please, you have the floor, please. No, it's not that. It's just that, you know, I just believe that, uh, yes, he's right to the point of, like, saying that we're, there's so many distinctions in how you know, women are raised versus how men are raised and, you know, growing up wherever you live and, you know, where you're currently living and then your life experiences is what makes you, grooms to you, to who you are today. You know, look at us, we all have different perspectives on what we just, so, because, you know, we're, every day I, I'm seeing Twitter, they're all arguing about men and women roles. I'm a strong advocate of women. What do you <laughs> like, mean example, when you say you are an advocate of women? Maybe we should start from Well. That. I believe my experience is, again, being in corporate America and working and always walking into a boardroom where, you know, you could actually be one of like, you know, 20 people in a room and only like two or three are women generally. Right. So and it depends on a meeting and what you're learning on in some points, you know, how you communicate, the way you communicate, what objective you're trying to make, having them take you seriously. So those are the things that I had to experience. And when I experienced it, I made sure that other women were prepared for it, not to combat it, but just in a sense of having the confidence that you need to have in order to get your point across um, without losing, you know, what you're trying to market, whether it's yourself or your product or whatever points are you're trying to make in any meeting at any time at any moment. So people think that they're open generally until you're actually having to work with them because I've worked with a lot of men that feel they're open until I have to tell them that your opinion is wrong. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's some egos that come into play. Some people are not like that, but others could be like that. So, and you have to work through that. And a lot of people aren't used to those challenges, especially if you're thrown into a position where you could literally lose your job if whatever decisions you make aren't effective. Yeah. So... That's what I mean by having confidence in being able to train young women and girls that, hey, you know, these things are going to happen. It's not a thing where I'm not walking around here saying for all the men that, you know, try to hit on me or make me think the way they wanted me to think or wanted me to just shut up and play whatever role that they had in their mind and the way they grew up. Yeah, whatever. It happens and it continues to happen. But to me, it's a non-factor. You know, the factor is you. You know, what are you doing about it? How are you changing today? What decisions are you making today that's going to impact your tomorrows? And no matter what anyone says to you, are you going to stand up for yourself or are you going to back down? Because if you back down, you'll always back down. And there are times to back down, but just knowing when to and just having the confidence to speak your opinion. So that's what I mean by, you know, woman advocate. I, I you know, I'm not, you'll, you won't find me bashing anyone specifically unless I'm bashing the action that you took 
you know, not your gender role. Not your gender. Um, All right. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think a lot of it is also like largely cultural, like Ani said. You know, a lot of mothers, even parents, hold, they 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 basically they learn to hold their girls accountable, but not their boys. You know, for the cleaning, for the cooking. For why? The- why? Why is that? It's cultural. I, I'm not sure if I can explain why, but I just feel like it's cultural. But that aside, I will say, you know, one of the reasons why I started following Irene on Twitter is because her voice is so strong and her voice is so very unique. And especially on the topic, the last topic we just discussed, you know, I was looking at all the points that she raised and I thought it was quite interesting. I would love to learn more about what Irene thinks about, you know, why men and women are, are very different. Okay, so there is a there is there is the cultural part. There is a part, you know, where we're all raised and, and I mean I think that everybody who's been raised in an average in the average Nigerian setting has been through, you know, go and learn how to cook. Yeah. Who will marry you if you don't know how to cook? You know, because and 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 really, Annie's know, just laughing so hard. Have <laughs> boys ever heard that? Like, has your parents ever told you, Tony, Bola, and Justin, like you don't know how to cook? Yes, yeah. you know, every every from the moment that the girl tells the race to getting her ready to get other children, right, and raise other children and be this wife and be you know and all of that, and then. You know, what happened, what has happened in the 20th, 21st century is that, you know, we've now added all this, okay, but, you know, we want you to be a good mother, but, okay, you can also now be this successful woman as well. And then, you know, and, and in marrying all of these things together is where we have all this conflict that we see today. Yeah. So, you know, if we are all in the agreement that, you know, the woman's place is in the kitchen, there's nobody who's fighting over who's doing chores. We'll be writing long threads about, I don't know, if your, if your mother-in-law is sitting in the, in the front of the car, who <laughs> ate three pieces of meat at the yeah, introduction. Those things actually are not reality because data shows that women are actually heads of households providing for their families. So I'm not sure where people constantly come up with all these narratives. A lot of mothers. It's, 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 it's just build. that thing that has been passed on from generation to generation. Yeah. So it's well, like my mother tried that with me, but as you can see, it just didn't work. I was like, "Mom, we're going to marry a chef, okay?" She oh, yeah. didn't know how to cook, and then lo and behold, I end up marrying a chef and learning how to cook because he cooked everything anyway. But I'm just saying. You know, it just didn't work out. <laughs> but but none of the guys answered the question. So Sunny, oh, okay, I, I actually want to ask her, but but I wanted to. Wait, wait, have any of you guys? Have any of you guys been told that if you don't know how to cook, no one would marry you? No, but can I? Can oh, they I send answer you back now? home. Can okay. I answer? I can, can tell I answer? you what my mother actually told me. So when what? I, as of when I was fifteen and heading for uni. By the time I turned 15, getting ready for uni, I could make four different types of soup. And my mother's refrain was, no woman should use cooking and doing yanga for you. That's true. That's true. That's so good. maybe my mom was different. She is different. I mean, the common refrain is that, oh, women generally don't teach their sons to do these things. But in my, in, in my own family, I see a lot that is not in that line. So just can just I, let me let me add to what let me add to what Justin wait 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 please please, okay. please I beg let me add to what Justin said so like in my house my mom was a single mom 
and it was just me and my brother. Because everything, the context it varies depending on how you grow up to. Me and my brother, and my brother is a fantastic cook. Even to today, in their house, like, I they get to a point where he would, his wife will cook and sometimes my brother will have to go remake it. So uh, the context varies. Like, like me, I'm not a great cook because I was poor growing up. I was a last bum for a long time. But I can, I'm functional. Like I'm a functional cook. It's not as if don't be like a boy, like I can If you make soup, there's no kind of solo I can I can't make. <laughs> <laughs> there's no type of solo I can't make. If you want to try, I can't eat part of you have There's no type of solo I can't make. <laughs> you just have to make the soup for me, uh, and, and uh, everything. Uh, and there's no in my house. There's such that where's my food? If there's soup, I carry my leg. If it's rice, I need to cook. I cook it. If there's so that's that. Now, conversely to that conversation about food. See, there are gender roles that has been defined by culture or appearance growing up. And we can't, there's nothing we can do to dispute that. In the same context about you guys talk about food, we're going to talk about who learns how to drive first in the house or um, fixing the car or uh, doing menial work around the house. It's typically the guys that they look at, right? But that does not mean that there are no uh, females or ladies that do stuff around the house to fix stuff because... In as much as we talk about food, there are other things that in my own house it was the guys they looked at to do. Eh? Change like, the tire. I, I don't know. <laughs> I change tire. <laughs> I, 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 I would like to see a household that grew up in Nigeria that had uh, both boys and girls. That the girl learned how to drive a car. Bola, let me jump. Guy. Let me jump in there, Bola. Man. So I've, I've left everyone's and everything. Right? Again, we are the way we are. <laughs> I mean, and me. Let me even be saying it now. Whoever wants to vex, you start vexing from now. <laughs> because wow. let's, be be, let's be checking the timeline for people sniping. It's, it's the truth. Exactly <laughs> what you said about that, right? And I called it like, look, we talk about gender. I think the first thing, first of all, is we've lied to a lot of young men and women today growing up. We've li- fundamentally lied to them about the realities of life. I think we, we've looked at the world and we've tried to socially engineer the world into this nice distant utopia of how it would be if we were we were the ones with a blank canvas. Unfortunately, it's never ever ever, ever gonna work that way. The, the statistics have been done, everything. We talk about so, uh, social stuff and culture, but the one part that again people don't like to talk about is this um, biopsychological part of these things. Culture did, did not just appear majority of what you call culture is based on common sense about survival. For the majority of humans till today, men and women had to literally survive together to fight off animals, all of these things. And, it and that's sense. geographic, right? Where you are dictated that whole There idea. is a reason why we are. Let me give you an example. If you look at, let's say, something like gender roles, right? Just whatever you have in your head in gender roles. If you, if you trace the whole world today, what we call gender roles or what we expect of men and women in different societies, different climates, is still not very, very different. It changes context, but it's still not very different. What we've lied to people saying, oh, we're the same, we're blank. No, we're not the same, all right? If me and you should go to school, somebody will carry first, somebody will carry second. We're not the same. I cannot go and say, I want to raise you same boat. He's got things that, no matter how much I train, it's not just going to happen. We need to, and again, I'm not saying that that means I should, you know, someone should tell me not to do athletics. I'm trying to sort of like gather my thoughts around that. Culture didn't just come out of nowhere. We need to understand the why. 
what we've done today is we've seen how parts of culture has been used, especially to maybe demean the, the female gender, like, you know, like majority yeah, ladies are like work people. And has actually been done by what I call weak men <laughs> specifically. Right. And then we've taken that as the norm. Like when we talk about patriarchy and all of these things, the number one victims of patriarchy are men. Because when it was World War II, a guy like me, I didn't have a say. I just had to go and carry a gun and shoot people I didn't really know. I was conscripted. That was the patriarchy conscripting me. The patriarchy did not conscript you. It was nice because I had to go now and die. If if you come and knock on my door and I look at my wife, go and check who is there. <laughs> Suddenly the patriarchy will make sense because at that time... <laughs> well, that's not true. If she's a trained shooter, she's a That's the thing. How many... Like, no disrespect, but... How many... Even if she's a trained shooter, she will still... Okay, go and check who is there. Be a man. What be I'm a trying man, to say... Be a man. I see this thing and I call it like as we're we're trying to find equality but we should not get into the place of selective equality so I'll give you like a quick what's it called as human species right a lot of these things we've got all social cultural and all of that we don't live in a vacuum right if for example you grew up in a certain part of Nigeria and your mom is like you need to learn how to cook right it's not necessarily because your mom is actually trying to demean you. It's because your mom is saying, this is the context that you live in. The same way, if I'm a Fulani guy, I have to, if I don't know how to chop cane, no one will marry me. Because in that particular context, that is what goes. It changes from context to context. So we try to use maybe like the Western world sometimes and like, oh, try to equate this. Very, very difficult. But let, just to round on my point, to talk about how, why we are who we are and why we're different. We can talk about Scandinavia. Scandinavia is the society in the world that maybe I would say in terms of gender equality, they've gone further than any other society. I think everyone can agree, right? Yeah. No one would dispute that. Mm-hmm. And they've actually tried, they're the best social engineers. They've tried to say, okay, you know, what's it called? There was one study they did, one of the largest studies ever where they looked at, for example, like things like STEM, where, you know, a lot of guys are in STEM and you don't have a lot of females, but also like nursing, right? And the same thing, I can even make a joke about like, if a guy you go on a date to the guy and he tells you he's a nurse, how many women will even take him serious? But let story for a little bit. No, nurses in the US make a lot of money. So if a guy tells you he's a nurse, that that story for another day, though. Story for another but here's what they did. They did it. So they went they a lot of money is relative. Exactly. They did a lot of they did a lot of um social engineering programs to try and like equate a lot of things because what we do with the social engineering is we look at like, oh, 80% of coders are male, 20% are female. It must be, we repeat one thing, the most demeaning thing. It must be prejudice. It must be sexism. Actually, it's, it's a multitude of things. And yes, the biggest thing there is choice. So what they did in Scandinavia, they did a lot of these things. When they found the data, right, it turns out that in Scandinavia now, because you've given people free choice, all those things that we call gender differences, they were larger. So in Scandinavia, you have way more, like basically, the USA is a less sexist environment than Scandinavia, where people have the choice. If you leave people to do... um what they want to do. A lot of the things we call cultural, actually, at their own accord, people would want to fit into these boxes. And that shows you that we should be very careful, like, picking the one thing and everything. We're very different. We're very different for different reasons. Let's understand that if we want to make an equal society versus actually saying, chasing sets of specific outcomes. Again, my thoughts are everywhere. I'm trying to gather them. So can I can I ask a question and maybe anyone could a- a- answer like, what do you think is the way forward? How do you think we can stop these stereotypes or differences in the way men and women are raised, you know? 
I'm, I'm just curious, like, are there any solutions? Because as much as we're having this conversation, I feel like because people are sort of raised a very particular way and their behaviors are ingrained, they continue the system, you know, in terms of you go cook, you go clean, you know, and all of that stuff. So do you think there's a way forward? How do you think that parents, men and women like yourselves, the next generation can stop promoting these stereotypes? And I was going to point this out when, when Justin talked about, you know, his upbringing. You see, when you, when you look at the undertone of all the, all the upbringing that we have, we see that what is, what is recurrent is survival in a community. Yeah. Even for the men, when they, are, when, when, when they are taught to cook, it's so that no woman would do shakara for you. It's still for the home. It's still so that you can survive in the home, so that you can survive in the community. So since that is the core of it, can we now take away the specifics of it? And now focus on survival. And now focus on, oh, you know, you know what? You need to learn how to cook because you're going to eat. Because, you know, when I wanted to learn how to drive, I, I grew big, much, much bigger than everybody in my class very early. So I wanted very adult things very quickly as well. And then, you know, when it was time for me to learn how to drive, my father said to me, you know, there's one thing that you're going to have to do for the next three months. You're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to wash the car, you're going to take the oil, you're going to do those, I don't know, monthly car tire changes when there's no, there's no problem with the car. But it, it really was that, you know, his, his thinking was this. Don't be a damsel in distress on the road. If you're going to drive a car, you should know how the basic things about maintaining a car. And then, you know, if we, take this, if we take this approach to every other thing that we do, we see that these things become less of issues because it becomes more of, I'm cooking because I want to eat. You know, I'm, I'm the one who is, I'm the one with the flair, I'm the one with the time, you know. And then we need to disabuse this notion that gender roles is equal to gender equality. That's not true. You know, I, I, I don't know how to to um, explain it in, in expand, a much more... Expand, um, expand, expand. on it. But expand on basically it. what I'm saying, so basically, this is it. If both of us can, if if both of us can cook, it's not it's not the mark of equality. Who is available for it? Who has a flair, you know, for this for these things? I believe that in in our bid to put to fit everything in a stereotype, we've killed out all these other nuances that make these uh, these chores less of the chores that they are so if we back to, to answering mary's question if we if we expand it a little and say that you know the point here is how to survive in a community not just survive but survive in a community that basically means how am i going to interact with the opposite gender how am i going to you know live with other people how am i going to do business how am i going to make friends all of those things if we focus on building those skills or ingraining those skills it becomes less of a gender role or gender war or gender anything and becomes more of, you know, I cooked because I was hungry and I needed to eat. Yeah. I, I took the, no, if I cannot, you know, I'm not, I'm not an invalid because of, you know, one aspect of my gender. So yeah, that's my point. All right. All right. Th thank you. So this is why I even wanted to say even beyond, how like solutions and everything or be, say before something that predates or pre, a prerequisite for the solution is that one of the things that I've seen as a pattern is goalpost shifting. <laughs> Even something as basic as this conversation that we have. And, and everybody wants to attack me. 
please go ahead. <laughs> but if I speak at this conversation, we already have. Oh, we must have been suffering her. Oh, let's stick to the fact that we, if, if we can just stick to in any situation, I see so much go post shifting. <laughs> and I'll say it, and a lot of times I get it from women, but if you want to attack me, attack me. But I get a lot of go post shifting from women. Now, if you say I'm wrong, I'll be gl- glad to be wrong. But I feel like there are a lot of go post shifting in anything we are discussing, especially when it comes to this kind of role. So, I'm going to mute myself. Well, I hope you're sure that you're wearing back. Kevlar. Are you wearing Kevlar under your shirt? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've said my own. That's pretty much about the last thing I would say. I can actually jump on that. It, it's, it's, again, I do not claim to be an expert in human behavior. It's something like I work in psychology, like I build a software. So I've got it, I, I learned to love like um, psychology and my part of psychology, I really love, like I'm just a student and the pseudo student at best is intergender dynamics. Right. Because I, I grew up with like weird seconds. I grew up with nine sisters, you know, while my friends were struggling to talk to girls, I always was really comfortable. I was that guy that did he fear? I'm like, that get out of the fear. Come bring, bring, give me a number. Like, I was that guy because from a young age, I understood a lot of things about how just we 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 are very different. And for example, there's a book called Why Men Are the Really I by Dr. Warren Farrell. I recommend all everyone on this panel to read that. A very short book, amazing. How he talks about like, for example, actually men are the true romantics because we're the ones that marry across the the uh, economic ladder. We don't mind going to village to marry a kaiti. But how many forty five hundred CEO women will go to village and marry? Well, but that's shifting. Uh, that trend is shifting now. That that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like we're the true romantics, right? We would go to go and marry a kaite, but Cheryl Sandberg is not going to go and marry Jumbu. <laughs> she will not marry Jumbu. It's not going to happen. Shots fired. <laughs> it's not true. So talking about that, it's like, for example, one of the reasons why that goalpost shifted, right? And it's always, when you see the goalpost shifting thing happen, it's always like, gyal them, supporting gyal them. And part of one of the reasons that there's actually like a a theory about this is about like um, how, think about it, we were hunters and gatherers, right? Me and you, 1,000 years ago, or we said 10,000 years ago, we would have been going to kill lion. Wow. Uh, like ladies, <laughs> is it true now? We're going to go and kill lion and bring bring meat. What ladies were doing the gathering, and uh, part of the reasons why, for example, there's explanation why, for example, women can identify colors like subtle colors. Where your wife will tell you, like this one is pink now. Like, no, no, it's not fuchsia. It's not fuchsia. It's not fuchsia. <laughs> but the explanation for that is, think about it. A lot, a lot of a lot of ladies were picking berries. The difference between a poisonous berry. And the one that would literally have nutrition could oh. like that kill you, right? So over time, people natural selection did its thing. So part of that is like women um, became more communal, right? It's, why is it that when a small girl, three years old, the worst thing she can hear is, "We're well, not going to be your friend again." Have we ever asked that? <laughs> it's, it's the worst thing she can hear. You're not part of the group. We are not going to be your friend again. But you, as a guy, man, if they tell you you're not going to be your friend again, oh my, you will go play with your own ball, not team. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, Sonny, Sonny off your mic. Oh, exactly. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk. Are we, to- are we, are we talking? Sonny off your mic. Anybody, anybody wants to... Um, can, can, I, can, I, can I say something about, about the, about the goalpost shifting? 
The thing is, please, thank you. I, I find, thank you. I find um, conversations on the internet. It's, it's really difficult to have an honest conversation when agenda yeah, is yeah. on on the table. You know, when the agenda is that I must support either my agenda, my gender, or I must support this cause. That is exactly that's that's how I see. So it, it makes it a little difficult for you to have nuance. It makes it difficult, you know, to have the most honest of conversations when it comes to these kind of issues. And then because of the way that social media is, the things that you cannot see online. Uh, let me explain. Let me even go back to this hiding money thing. You know, a lot of people hide money. It's not me. Yes. Yes. In fact, more people than not. Yes. Honestly. By people, do you mean women? Everybody knows this. But you see, the Sorry, moment Irene. that you come out now. <laughs> Irene, slow down. By people, do you mean women? Yes. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Answer your gender. Answer, answer, answer. Answer your gender. You know what's so funny? It's the men that told the women to hide their money. It's men that tell women to hide the money. It wasn't even a woman that told me to hide what are your sources? What are your sources? Give us what are your sources? Give us more than one source. It was my uncle. My uncle said and and who else? <laughs> woman that told me women. I'm telling women after my uncle told me, but it started with my uncle telling me. The, 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 the thing also is this: they're just they're just things you cannot say because they're not general. They're very specific depending on involved. So if I came out to them and I said, "Oh, you know what? It's wise save money, hide this, underreport this." Basically, it's fraud. But would there be circumstances where it would make a lot of sense and you should do it discreetly? Well, I plead the fifth again. I will not say right, for me. Right, I, 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 I have two questions for you. I have two questions for you. I think I forgot the second one. But this agenda thing. Mm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember. So, one, how do we strip our agenda and having a proper conversation one two are you telling me that it's only on social media that people have agenda offline they don't have agenda there's no agenda no it's not it's not if there's no agenda offline but you see when you are not when you are not campaigning there's a lot more room for ease so if me and you are sitting together now we're having a simple conversation you miss andres you this and that and that and that and that they're not going to happen with that way number two is that when you're talking about stripping, when, 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 when about stripping up agendas you know and being able to communicate freely i would say that you know the reason agendas have uh, agendas are actually a byproduct of of improper conversations in the public space if you know today that for disagreeing that you will get punched in the mouth or the internet equivalent of it. You know, you have to now, at a point, you know, I'm telling you, you know, one of my friends called me the other day and said, I, you know, sometimes you need to weigh your peace versus this opinion that you want to say, and then just shut up. Just press delete, delete, delete until that tweet is completely gone. So, you know, it, 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 it really is I, that. I think I, I agree with you. I, and it's something that Justin always says. I, and one of the, that's why he's an advocate of, of closed social media, where... Like this now, this will be our Twitter, and only six of us will be part of it. Nobody can enter and hear what we're saying, so we can actually have real conversations and nobody's boboing who. Like, I, I saw the conversation about, for example, no one should men shouldn't hit women, and 
Yeah, he said period. And people said all sides. And he was like, period. If you don't like what I'm saying, block me. The truth is, uh, we can't disagree. I don't necessarily agree fully with what you're saying. But I now I wanted to ask you, but the next tweet you wrote, or, or the next response to your tweet, I think it was the retweet that you put on your page, gave me all the answers I wanted. And I was like, there's no need to ask you because I get where you're coming from. The, the thing is, a lot of people will just respond for effect. Nobody wants to really understand, okay, why does she have this point of view? Uh, so are you trying to say that someone should just be hitting another person? Like someone else said, if a guy knows that a woman is not supposed to hit a guy. People on the internet really like to correct people. Yes, yes. And one of the things that I think this is important to not to confuse groupthink because there's a lot of groupthink on Twitter whereby the most dominant voice said something and then everyone's like, oh yeah, that's true. And no one's thinking for themselves anymore. So that's a whole, like um, Sonny said, it's a whole like science behind like groupthink and stuff. No, I, 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 definitely, I definitely get that. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit. I want everybody to tell me one thing. One, just, we have, there are a lot of things. We have to pick one. So start thinking right now. And whoever thinks quickly can go first. One thing that shapes, just one thing that has shaped the way you are. Hmm. I, I, that's why I say one. One is hard. You're saying um, one or one sentence? Is everybody, no, is everybody you, you thinking explain. or is everybody starting? Now wondering no. if my internet is bad or... <laughs> <laughs> guys are no, no, you can you can you can be a sentence, like, you can shalaye, you can give a paragraph, but it's just one thing. So, it, But don't go and add other things though, and try to cook them together. I, I can start with that. I can start. Right, I, in a lot of ways, when you were narrating your story, it wasn't too different to mine. I think my childhood, the fact that my parents got divorced from a very early age, and I would say, you know, I don't really talk about it publicly. So for I'm not going to go into details just because of respect of um, people. But I think that experience really, like, shaped me in a lot of ways because there's a saying, if somebody should pray for you that may your road be rough, you should say amen. And I never understood that saying until I got older. Now, me or Ruby Ruffin, because if I didn't go through certain things, I wouldn't be this person. People people don't know that I couldn't even speak properly till I was like five. A lot of people don't know this. I wasn't always this bubbly, confident person. There was a time when it was all dark and difficult. That experience in my childhood fundamentally um, changed me. I'm even writing about it and I'm titling it Dots Only Connect Backwards. It's only when you look back that the dots connect. So for me, that's it. My, my upbringing, my childhood. For, sure. for me, it's, it's that I was. I think for me, it's been that I've been born on the reverse side of it. So, yes, my parents were separated when I was uh, seven. But, shocker, I was raised by my dad. So, what happened, what what that meant is that I got to see the, the guy's side of it. <laughs> and I got to see how much different it was, you know, when the, when the woman is the single parent and when the, when the man is the single parent. Everybody's grappling with the same. It really... It really is. And and it also disabused for me the notion that men are these hard, unthinking, unfeeling beings that is projected, that is that is popularized all over the internet. Be a man, he can take it, he can I saw men not take it. I saw men need off days. I saw men yeah, struggle. And so it, it, that, and, that, and that's why I keep talking about being able to take a step back and look at the big picture. For me, it's it's what has made me look at the big picture. And because I always had my mom close by, but just not you know in the same house with us, I also saw it from her end too. And I learned very important financial lessons. And 
the need to say, are you sure that the other person that you're so branded is okay? Because it's possible that they're struggling, even though they, they you know, they look that they're fine and they're, they're strong and they're, uh, and they have it under control. Interesting. Who wants to go next? This, this is but actually I, way I better than I thought. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Ali <laughs> <laughs> has an agenda. Like, there's, there's an agenda here. an agenda behind us. <laughs> well, my, my father, my parents were students, you know, when I was growing up. So, you know, anything we ever wanted, you know, they said, you know, you have to go work for it, right? Even at like nine, ten years old, we were like, we want this doll, blah, 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 blah. My dad said, who's, who's going to buy you this doll, right? So what my dad did was based on where we lived, they lived in student housing. And everyone always needed these babysitters, right? So because they needed... Was this in the U.S.? Yeah, in the U.S. Because everyone needed these, these babysitters right. while my parents were students, full-time students, then I got a job at nine years old babysitting other little kids in the community. It actually turned into a full-time gig during the summer months. So, and I grew up doing that. So my upbringing has always was kind of based on the fact that my parents refused to buy me what I wanted. Instead, they made me work for what I wanted. So because of that, then it made me very independent in the way that I looked at things and the perspective in which I come in from. So for me, you know, it's like they say women, oh, they're so independent because of this and this and this. No, my upbringing wasn't anything that that threw it off. It's just my parents were always, you have to go and make your own money. Nobody will just come and buy you anything. So with that in mind, then any, anything that I've always done, I've always gone about it, you know, in aggressive fashion only because I knew I was the only one that I was kind of supporting, even when I was with others. So my point to that is like you, you women that are raised a certain way where they're more taught to be independent will always have a different uh, mindset in terms of the things that they're going about to get accomplished. If your father is sitting here telling you this is the way to be, you don't need anybody to buy you anything. I bet go and go and make your own money. Then you go about it that way, not as an insult to anybody that comes along, men or women. It's just to put that perspective into you that drives whatever thing you're going towards. So that's why I am the way that I am, because my father said, no, we're not buying you these things. We're not buying you this dollhouse. We're not buying you these shoes. We're not even going to buy you your own car because I had to work for that too. So from that perspective, <laughs> I really appreciate that. Wow. No, I really appreciated it in the long run because it, it really taught me like life skills that I would have never had obtained if it would have been the other way around based on the way that I turned out to be. So, and I consider myself very successful in terms of how I drive my business in the way that I do things now. So boss lady. <laughs> Thank you. So, but I think that when someone no. said women advocate, that's why, because I had to do it for myself. So it's nice to teach other people to focus in on that for themselves. Well, you could be, you could be a human advocate. Okay. It is. No, no, I agree. No, no, let's, go. Uh, let's go. Since you want to tiptoe into the water, <laughs> yeah, tiptoe. Let's put put your whole body in. <laughs> it could be. Yes, it could be. But I specifically chose this because I, I actually let me not say this. It's not just women. I've taught men too. 
you know, any man that calls me and I have the time and I have the ability, I will. I've helped plenty of men, you know. Don't mind, Bola. There's absolutely nothing wrong with choosing right. the demographic <laughs> that you want to advocate for. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing. I, I was, I was, a, I would say tongue and cheek, actually. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, <laughs> But you know this is serious banter, and I have to be mischievous sometimes. Well, like, can you see Mary? Uh, who wants to go next? Why are you asking who wants to go next? You can't see Mary bouncing there since. <laughs> well, I'm not bouncing. I just say I know Annie is always like humble about what she does, but I'm I'm always like promoting her. Like, hey, you got to talk about what you do. But I think she does really good work. Um, yeah, I think you know I have to agree with Annie that I think parents play a very important role in how girls and boys are sort of like, you know, how they end up like being in society. That's a very, very good question because I actually was thinking, I was like, what made me who I am? I'm not sure if I can point to one thing exactly. Yes, I agree, Annie, parents play a very important role. But I think in terms of my work with advocacy and supporting women and fighting for the economic empowerment of women, one role that shaped me was when I was in college, um, I spent some time here in New York in college, and I think I was the first and only ever student to sit on a committee by professors that had been nominated by professors. And the committee was the Sexual Harassment Assault Committee. And I sat on that committee for three years in my undergrad. So imagine like being 18, 19 years old, sitting on the committee where you're, you're seeing and reading reports of rape and all these different things. I think for me, that one thing like really shaped me and changed basically. Like I, as soon as I like graduated, I was like, I want to fight for women, support women. And I really made my life really about women. But that one incident and sitting on the committee for three years. And I think when I left the committee, they saw like my professors saw how that impacted me. And they never allowed a student to sit on the committee again. Cause when you hear how <laughs> certain men have been raised, and we're not talking about like African men or you're talking about like upper middle class white men who are basically going to these parties and raping girls and doing all these different things, it really shapes you. So I think that one incident, in addition to what, you know, Ani said, you know, how parents raise their, their children definitely matters. But for me, in terms of, being, you know, saying that I wanted to be that voice and really supporting women, I think sitting on that committee really, really shaped me. Mary, I have a question on, on, on your experience there. How did you cope? And, and I asked this question because the very first time that I found myself in, in a boardroom of you know, superiors and all of that, I kept quiet. I sat like a statue. I didn't speak until I was spoken to. And by the second meeting, everybody, you know, my bosses from Paris said, this girl is dumb. And, and my bosses and my line managers were struggling to defend me and say, oh, you know, no, 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 she's, she's probably just like, in fact, my boss was looking at and said, say something, even if it's stupid, just say something, please. You know, so yeah. how did you, how, how did you, how did you cope with that? Yeah, I, I don't think it's um, something that's easy for someone to cope with, um, especially if you're that young. And I think everyone, you know, um, interprets trauma differently because these are very traumatic cases. And you're getting these huge reports that you have to go through and you're trying to decide if the person should still stay on campus in college and all these factors. 
So for me, I, I initially, when I first got on the committee, I was very quiet. So I won't lie, just like you, I was very quiet. But very soon, when students, female students, when other female students found that I was on the committee, they used to come into my room to speak with me. And by the time I heard their stories, you also have to go back into the committee meeting and not be biased. Because some of the people they're talking about are people you know, they're your friends and all these different things. So it's like, how do you separate both things, right? Someone that you know allegedly committing this atrocious act towards another person who you may not know, for example. And those two behaviors, you can't reconcile them. So, I mean, I'm not sure if there's a particular way to, to respond, but I think if I began to speak up after people began to come to me to tell their stories. Yeah, but I think the, the greatest challenge is how do you not be biased? You know what I mean? And you really have to look at all the facts and, you know, you have to really engage in all of that. So, yeah. Thank you. Interesting. Who was Thank next? you, Mary. Justin. Yes, but, Justin. That, but your, your question is a very wicked Wicked question. I, 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 I want you guys. I said it. I want you guys before I started. <laughs> and I, I, I want you. I raise hand for everybody who has answered the question already. You guys give it a great <laughs> response because I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm like, this guy, we are not, we go through life in phases. So the person uh-huh. I am today is. You pick one. Pick one. It's far removed. Now you know. You ask, you ask your question the way you wanted to ask it. I have hey, you got to be shifting the goalpost. You got to shift the goalpost. Anyway, so so here's the thing. I I am going to terribly fail at answering that question if you if you police me. So please, Mbok, I beg you. <laughs> please, with the permission of everybody, please, Bola, just allow me. And you know, my, I mean, different perspectives are important. My perspective on how to answer the question is different from yours. These are the things we are talking about. People should be allowed to express. Yeah, these are the people that want to rule Nigeria. These are the people that want to rule Nigeria. So here's the thing, guys. I have lived several lives. Let me put it that way. Right? I, I like to break my life up into chapters, if you like. There are several significant milestones for me when I look back in life where I have taken what you might call a turn, right? Which have been turning points and have been radical revolutions in the sum total of who I am. So in in one aspect, a very huge influence on me is the fact that I was raised by my mom. Now, I don't come from a divorced or separated home, but I come from a, a polygamous home and I was raised under my mom's roof, so we didn't all live under one roof. Or even in one city, if you like. And being raised by a very independent, very strong, very pragmatic woman has a great influence on me, how I perceive gender relations, how I relate with women and all of that. And then the values that I inherited from coming from that setting. But it doesn't come without its own drawbacks, right? If we're being real, it doesn't come without its own drawbacks. I was a rebel. By the time I was meeting and in university, nobody could tell me what to do. Right, because I was pretty much left to my own devices in a whole lot of ways. In spite of being raised by a strict woman who would flog the living daylight out of me when I stepped out of line, in a whole lot of ways, I was missing something. So I grew up a rebel. By the time I was in school, I was all over the place. In my third year, I met a professor who eventually became my counselor, if you like, 
and my academic sponsor. But this was in third year in school. I was practically done with uni. Well, my interaction with that man in one and a half years turned my life in a different direction. And I became a totally different person from the younger person that I was growing up. And I had a similar experience again in my career, right? I was a banker for many years. And the last bank that I worked with, which is where I spent the longest time of my career, is where I like to tell people that my career actually started, in spite of having worked in three different organizations before that. And it was, I can draw it down to one specific event that happened. I was in a meeting with very senior people. It was an all-hands meeting, actually. We were a much smaller bank then, before it became such a big one. And conversations happened in that meeting that gave me a mind... I mean, I had an eureka moment. And once again, I saw my life turn around in ways that are very significant. So when you ask me that... There's no one thing, because I have not been one person. I have been different people at different places. That's what I meant by it's such a difficult question. And I'm sure if we allowed everybody to talk, they would probably give you these kind of stories, right? But no, so you can narrate uh, no I'm giving everybody extra, extra minutes, because you're not living here today. I'm giving everybody extra time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So, so I'm, I've said all of that to say that we are a sum total of the path that we've come from, right? And... It, what, what you might find is everybody has these milestones, these markers, where, at least in my experience, I, I might be projecting, but I, I, I don't think not too terribly, where your life has been molded and shaped by the influences, whether it's human beings, whether it's institutions, whether it's circumstances, situations, yes, that have molded you and shaped you uh, to becoming the person that you are today. And continuous learning is a thing the evolution of who you are is a continuous thing uh, until you decide that you don't want to be on this planet anymore because when you stop learning you start dying and so one of the things i try not to do is box myself into a this is who i am even as i speak today i understand the fluidity in a lot of the ways that i think in a lot of the views that i hold i always consciously make room for that evolution to, to happen, but that's probably extending beyond the context of the question you asked. So, <laughs> all right, let me let me go. I, I, I just I just I just wonder is there anybody who has been who can say that you know, let's say the one of the things that has shaped their life is money. Yes, that you know. Well, let, let, me, yes. let me let me I I park that for a second. Let it's me not let's a yes or no question. Me... You answer it next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. back, I mean, back okay, for a okay, okay. Let's back that for a second. Right, let me sure. let me give you guys mine, and then the next segment of question is money. But let me let me just say, mine is very short. It's very short and simple. Uh, I understand what Justin was saying because I was raised by a single mom as well, and I have different life experiences. But there's one thing I choose to talk about, and I only started talking about within the last year was my illness or cancer. One thing happened during the whole process that changed my outlook on life and the way I am now. They had to do a biopsy. So there's a scar under my neck. So, you know, they did the surgery. I went in, they took out the mask, they went and go testing, whatever. But what changed my life was in the recovery room. So I was there. Obviously, my throat hurt. I could barely talk and everything. But the lady next to me, just got her leg amputated. And she was in the, the level of pain that person was 
was was on another level that I never witnessed in my that I hope ne- never to witness in my life. And in my mind, I was like, neck, because uh, they scratched my neck. I'm, I'm shouting. I beg, I beg, I beg. The person next to me, I can clearly see what position they're in. So if I feel like all the bad things that happen to me, I have to go to chemotherapy and all those things, and you're looking at other people and what they're going through, there's a good chance that they're going through far worse than you are. So the way from then on, because this happened 13 years ago, and from then on to now, the way and everybody can test, even to my life work, even to the things I've done, even to living corporate America to decide to start uh, an education technology startup to help people, I just see life as face value. I don't read too much meaning into things because it can end like this. And and it, mine almost ended because I was in the hospital critically ill for a while. Till uh, you know, I, then I did chemotherapy and I got better. But it could end like this. I I lost my ability to walk. I had to learn how to walk again. So th- my whole thing about life is, and the way I live my life is because of that chapter that happened to me. So so that's my own part of, of the story of, of how what has shifted my life. Yeah, I think it's interesting because we we to hear that everyone like I felt like I didn't do a little bit of justice because I was like coy. But one thing Justin says said is I guess maybe I'm still in that place where I'm still evolving what I reveal because I you know that kind of thing. But there's something that Justin said about he met a specific professor, right? And growing up, you know, I. In some ways, I feel like I grew up with a single parent. In some ways, I feel like I didn't. I never lived with my mother, right? But I lived with my dad and his wife. But my dad was, like, out there making bread. You get what I mean? And I can relate to Justin's story in the sense that, you know, I really struggled academically. I really, 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 really struggled. Like, terrible. Like, Guy, I didn't tell you. Get it that way. I won't That's go crazy peace. because you're probably one of the smartest people I know. <laughs> I won't go peace. They go, go call my sister. My sister go whisper how I enter my ear. I was like, I was like forget, forget this phone there. There was a time when the above wow. was concentrated. I'm telling you, I'm telling you because like you know you be small picky, you're a child, like nobody sits you down and tells you, Oh, this is what's going on in the family. It's just life went on, you know. I was uh, I was recently talking about it with my with my friends about how I just remember my my mom dressing us up. We go to the airport, we go to our house in Lagos. Life went on. That's the thing. So so can I hear you about talking about that professor? I had a lesson teacher because that was one time I was struggling at math. I think it was like primary one, and they had to call my parents and like, look, this picking is flunking, and he's going to repeat. <laughs> this one <laughs> like, no, this one no book. Exactly. He doesn't know anything, and that kind of thing, and then. It was that guy, Mr. Silvanus Okorebo, a dumb man, I'll never forget. And he, he used to say, he used to start calling me professor. He said, your brain works like a computer. You just need to know how to tune in. I've never seen someone smile. So I thought this guy was just chatting bollocks. Like, he's just trying to make me feel good about my ludoness. <laughs> but he was, he was genuinely serious. And then before you know it, I started buying into this guy's idea that, you know what? This two times, one, two, I think two are more like, you know how like, <laughs> And then I went from one of the worst students to the third best 
student overall in wow. a year. You know, and I was speaking to my sister recently about it. She was, she was like, she was like, what made her become smart was I'm like very annoying. And just if you have not seen my Twitter, you probably like I'm a bit of a dick. Everybody has blocked you. Finished. Everybody has blocked you. Exactly. Everybody has blocked you. You know. I'm a self proclaimed. There's only six of us that you can't see, right? Just six of us. I'm a self proclaimed asshole, and I'm proud of that. But what my sister said it was like because I was very annoying. Like, ah, uh-uh, you cannot do this. I said, come, let me show. You, let me do that. The thing made her, you know, want to be better. So very interesting, Justin. I really related to to that point. But coming back to bonus point, I mean, well, some total all, all these things, and it's interesting that you know different things happen in our lives, and they take us here and left, and we should always leave room for growth. Very, very important. Yeah. Sure. Anybody wants to add to that, or let's now talk about. I really. Who, 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 real... I did want to talk about I... how money. I did want to talk about how money changes. <laughs> so you know, I I grew up I grew up in a house where everybody in my family was was either in education or oil and gas. So and you know. I already saw Nigerian government do treat him, do my mother shiggy. So I said to myself, if the if it was the very last thing in the world that I would do, I would never be a teacher in this life. So that was cancelled. And so when I when I finished school and I I started I started at some ad hoc job um, in an oil and gas company. I kept wondering to myself, oh my God, when am I going to start making this money? When am I going to ever see? When am I ever going to make my first million naira? My salary was fifteen thousand naira a month, no, and with, you know, with a university degree. With a well, I hadn't gone for NYSE yet, but you know, they said you come in as a casual staff, you do use as fifteen k, and then they they started to when they started assigning roles, they I asked my boss, please, where can I earn more money in this company? They said I'm very hard working. You go to Tema Disruption Unit in there, you will make up five six thirty, you will do seven to seven. I said, that. Now what I call you? <laughs> How much is the money? They say one k. They say, "Ah, oh, God, we're doing I'm telling you, they say girls don't do it. There's only one girl in that plant. She's the only one who has survived. And you know, she doesn't look like a girl. She's very, I don't know, tomboyish and all of that. Are you really doing? Ah, you, 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 I don't bore me when my no drum. I went and I did for three years, by the way. Wow. But when it was time to move, you know, now I've gone, I've done my NYSC, you know, while still keeping that job, I did an NYSC in Zamfara State. And, you know, yeah, I was coming home every six weeks. I told my boss in Kotaka that, you know, I was working on my redeployment and um, they were eating my money. I didn't apply for one single redeployment. I did the whole, <laughs> the full thing. And then I'll tell my boss in Zamfara that me, I'm going for a job interview in Kotaka. I knew there's no more. <laughs> So, you know, but one of the things is I was really, really desperate. I was desperate to make my own money because, you know, one of the kind of feedback I used to get when I was a, as a kid was, you know, when you make your own money, you make this kind of decisions or get up and go and wash those plates. You think that there's any slaves. So I used to tell my father, you know, watch me. I make enough money and my goal is to make so much money, I will never have to wash a dish in my life. But then, you know, to, to, to make my story, my really long story shorter, I had an opportunity to move to Enugu to start a different job in a different industry. So I was going from oil and gas to pharmaceuticals. And not just pharmaceuticals, but pharmaceutical sales. Everybody finds the salesman very annoying. And then when you think about sales, you think about is this, is this guys who sell insurance, who 
really need the insurance more than you do. So I was I was scared. So what's the matter? I was going to take a pay cut. In fact, I remember my first job interview. The national source manager said, ah, it's like if we go, when I told him that I, the salary I was expecting was 200K, he so said, it's like if we go back to oil and gas. So. <laughs> and then they offered me 50K as a basic salary and told me that I would get a float, an expense, expense account, which was paid to me, by the way, in product. And a travel, a travel expense was paid to me in product. Product I had never sold one day in my life. That 50K didn't come as planned, by the way. So it came three months. I resumed in October. My first salary was in December. But by December, <laughs> hey, by December, December was very dirty. <laughs> you know, somebody. I unlocked the power of sales. <laughs> Let me tell you, I said to myself, when I left oil and gas, I had not quit my job initially. I went and started one month in Enugu. But, you know, I wanted to just try it out. But when I got there, I realized, you know, if you're a great salesperson, you would never look for a job a day in your life. I was one million richer. My first million, ah, it was sweet. I won't lie. <laughs> I said, ah, this job, I died here. When they say, ah, the salary is for I mean, no, that's surviving by the grace of God, yo. <laughs> because, I think, you know, for me, that was that was really good because I went from worried about, oh my God, how am I going to move from, you know, counting 15K to 45K salaries to, oh, wow, I, I know what it feels like, you know, to, to own a millionaire. And it was, it was a very pivotal moment for me. I, I love money stories. <laughs> money is not everything, but it's most things. It's most things. So, I mean, when you say, when you ask us that question... Bob is talking when his mic is off. Yeah. But I, but I, your mic is off. We can see your lips moving. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, my uh, show producer training, I didn't complete it. <laughs> you didn't finish your class. <laughs> so what I didn't finish saying? my class. <laughs> what, what I just... What I wanted to say just real quick about money is um, because of my life experience, I, I, I see things more of a, on a – I see wealth. I don't see money. I don't see cash. Anything I, I do that I see now is in terms of how I can leave a legacy for my children. Even I started thinking about it even if I had kids. So I don't – so I, I'm not a, a long-term person. Now I, I kind of see how – putting certain things, putting structures in place will help people coming behind you. So I, I don't see money as a transaction. I see it as an infrastructure. So I'm always a long-term kind of person with money. That, that's the only thing I have to say about money. That, that's interesting, Bola. I think I like the long-term part, the what you talked about. And I like Irene's story because I think when you talked about money, me, I was already excited because me, I like money. I think when I was much younger, and I guess at a time in my life where I didn't think I was anything, one thing I used to just look at, when I watched it, I'd be like, I'm going to be rich. I don't know how I'm going to do it, too, but I'll be rich because I know that if I'm rich, all this suffer, I don't really suffer. And like, that was, that was like, for me, from a young age, like, look, I want to, I want to have so I can give, you know. And some days I sit down and I ask myself, you know, every day I think we, we, 
focus so far, like where we haven't gotten to in life, we forget how far we've come. And, you know, I was just that small kid from Festac Town. And that was a hashtag I always used to use on Twitter, like small boy from Festac. You know, like if you told me like at this time in my life that I would have some of the things I have now, like I would really, I'll be like, nah, man, like, you know, it wouldn't happen. Like, you know, a few things, but also on the flip side is also what money made possible for me. I, yes, I grew up without, you know, my parents were divorced, but, but I'm not going to lie, my papa didn't get money. You know, we, we were upper middle class. I'm not, I'm not even like shy about it. I went to um, private school and everything. And those things, they facilitated a lot of things, you know, the people you meet, the experiences. And that, 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 options. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, as much as my dad was the type of person that he would tell you to your face that this money is my own, it's not your own. He like, <laughs> you know, my dad was that rich guy that his children were still on the streets and he knew it. Like, like we we did streets, but then we look like ah, for your papa get money. We're like, you don't understand what's going on. That was me. You know, I was out there on the street trying to get one or two things, but because my dad had that mindset, like, look, you've got to do this thing yourself and that kind of thing, and and that's kind of. Money is, I think, it does. It gives you options. Uh, like every, uh, I the same way Anya talks about, like she's pro, I guess, woman, right? I call myself like pro lad because I, I like to help lads because I feel like today there's a hotline where a lot of girls them can call and say, "Hey, I'm going through this." But a lot of young men today are lost. They don't know what to call and who to call. They just need someone to tell them they can do this thing and like, I guess. Starting off with like literally how they can get there, I get be on their purpose and make a little bit of this to see that as like a vehicle to get to where they can be in life is it's also important. So yeah, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but it was funny. I was I was all the way in a whole nother country minding my own business in Portugal, and somehow I ran into this guy, and you know he was like telling me. I had to do a presentation at you know a conference, and he came up and he was talking to me about the presentation. You know, and how much he admires. I said, where do you live? He says, I live in London. I said, oh, you live in London. I said, you haven't tapped into the Nigerian community in London. He's like, well, you know, there's one guy that I really admire, but, you know, I like everything about what he's doing. This is mad random, like out of nowhere. I said, well, you know, what is his name? And all of a sudden, look, lo and behold, he's talking about this guy right here in front of me in this camera. <laughs> so, you know, because he said he's always wanted to do all these things that he's been doing, and he sees he's traveling, he's doing this, and all the stuff that this wonderful guy is doing. So next thing you know, I said, well, let me connect you so the two of you can talk, so you can be your mentor. So you know, this is in response to where you said, you know, you want to mentor lads, you know, because they have these questions. It's true. You know, you do you do have segments of people that, that need guidance and need you know, mentorship, as Mary put it. And it was just irony that I ran into this person, of all people, that knows someone I know that he admired. So I think it doesn't matter, you know, where you are in the spectrum. You know, if you recognize that there's a need, you fit yourself into that need to make things happen because your experiences is what shaped you. And, you know, like Justin said, it's forever changing you. So if you're able to help someone else, you know, just to get to a certain stage in life, hey, by all means, even with all this money he loves to have, don't get me wrong, I love money too. Money is great for conveniences. People picking up your laundry, people cleaning your house, you know, hey. <laughs> no, I, 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 I have mean, a question I mean, for um, everyone. I'm here. I, can, I, can, I, can I just say something? I, I, let, let me go, and then you ask a question. 
so, I mean, I'm here in New York and I've been doing a lot of thinking, as you know, like COVID-19, everyone's working from home, we're home a lot. And, you know, and to answer sort of like Irene's question about money, I think to even take it a step further, one of the questions that I actually wrote down in my journal is, you know, what do I need to do to ensure that I live a healthy and productive life? And I think money is one of those things. And money ties into career and having a job and having set of skills that really sets you apart. Because you cannot live a healthy and productive life if you don't have money. If you don't have money, you can't make transactions on very simple things like paying your rent, buying your food, you know, and all of that. And and then let me get controversial. You know, how people get money also matters. Some people advocate for finding a sugar daddy <laughs> and finding your bills, you know, however. Oh, yeah, you sorry, I'm dancing, I'm You know, so, so, I think, so I think instead of the question about money, I think the question should be, what do I need to do to deliver a healthy and productive life? Um, in my journal, I put, you know, healthy communication is one of them. Knowing and learning how to communicate with people properly, having a job, career, and a skill to ensure that you can make money so you're able to make certain transactions. Mentoring is also very important. Whether you're the mentor or you're the mentee, it's one of the ways to give back. So whatever is on that list is very important. But when I look at the list, for me, like money is so important because if you don't have cash, whether it's liquid cash or whether it's a bunch of assets, you can't really live a healthy and productive life because you can't make transactions on certain things. So is money important? Yes. How you get the money, however you get it, hey, that's your choice and that's up to you. <laughs> By the way, I need okay. to thank you because I'll never forget that you were helping me with with, 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 with with woman issues that day. I'll never forget. So let's <laughs> 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 Quick question, bro. We, we have five minutes left, so let's move move a little fast. Five minutes left to wrap up. So, I'm sorry, Irene, I, I know it's a good question. You guys didn't realize okay. we've been here for two hours, right? Oh, my... I actually didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I did have a question on, you know, just to bring us back to the subject of why are we this way, and it really is how do then women and everybody in the spectrum in between relate to money, and is it the same are we do are we wired the same? Are we wired to react the same towards money? And then the second thing is to Mary's point, you know, on but, but, do I need to be healthy and productive, live a healthy and productive life? Just so you can hear. Having a money, can hear her. Can you hear? I can't go ahead. Oh, fantastic! I feel like having a money metric is very important because, and, I, and I'll take, I'll take. Yeah, just to get here. I want to link it to my sales background, my sales and marketing background, because you need a tangible. You need something that you can see, feel, count. You know, you need something that is that is. You need a goal that is really, really specific. If so, while yes, money is is a means to that healthy and productive life. It's good to always have you know, something that is a measurable target when you're referring to, to money. Otherwise, you know, you still never be fulfilled because, you know, healthy and happier is a very relative term. So real quick, Justin did not answer the money question. <laughs> Why are you like this, brother? I, know, I, I knew you were going to be like, I'm wicked, but you Why didn't answer it. I know that is by design. <laughs> Okay. 
Before you, before you go out me in front of the whole world, let me just quietly answer. Quiet. I'm done. I, I didn't say anything. I answer question. If you are looking to adopt son, my daddy will not mind though. <laughs> I need to be adopted myself. So, so money, money gives me anxiety. Yeah, let me explain. So, ladies, you know how that pressure, and this is not in any way trivializing, but it's very real for me from a male perspective. When I hear, and this is the way that I find a comparator when I hear women talk about the example I'm about to give. When you say it's pressure when people keep asking you about when are you going to get married? Why are you still single? Mm -hmm. That pressure. For me, the corollary to that pressure in my own experience is money. And it's very real. This is one of the ways that one could argue that patriarchy affects men as well, right? Mm -hmm. You're socialized, bringing this all back to the context of the conversation. You're, You're socialized in this way that there is an expectation where as the man, as a man, the way to prove your worth to the world, the way to express value to the world is in the substance of the things that you can own and control, which you can reduce to money. Right? It's a lot more complicated than that, but for the purpose of this conversation, I'll just reduce it to money. Right? So I'm saying that carefully. So it's not when the Twitterverse and the universe hears it, it's not taken out of context. So it's a lot more nuanced than money, but for the purpose of the conversation, I'll, I'll just use money as a proxy for all those things. So where, for instance, and I'm being very intentional in my own parenting because of this, because I catch myself doing it. I love my two kids. They're amazing. But you know what? I love my daughter just because. And I show her that love just because. Her brother. Her brother, however, I find that I have to consciously make an effort to relate with him in the same emotive way that I naturally express with his sister without holding him up to this be a man kind of thing, right? So my thesis to it being, it appears that we, not it appears, we were socialized in such a way that as a man, you have to prove your worth. As a woman, you are intrinsically valuable. And forgive me if I trespass in that understanding, but this is my experience, right? So we show that affection. We show a woman is valuable because she's a woman. A man has to prove his worth by doing certain things. And that is the sense in which I say money gives me anxiety. So... We live in a world where we advocate equality, where we advocate two-income homes. It's pragmatic for you not to have a single income. The world is becoming more expensive. But there's this underlying notion that, dude, it's still on you from the financial perspective. And I understand that this may not be the experience across geographies. So I'm speaking strictly as a Nigerian living in Nigeria at this moment in time, right? In this context, there's still this underlying notion that it's on you. So I have aspirations for the family. I have aspirations for the kids. Yeah, we hope people will be brilliant and they'll get scholarships. But, you know, if you want them to go to the Ivy League school, go and hustle this money, Baba. Nobody's going to. Justin, can I jump on that point? Justin, can I just say something really quickly? <laughs> you want to come for you? I'm, I'm done, actually. 
Justin, <laughs> never, wait, Justin must have never met those men. I love like how you're probably a good man and you're saying, you know, the responsibilities on me, but you've never met those men who just wake up one day and be like, I am out of here. <laughs> keep your kids, <laughs> keep your bills. They exist. And they just leave. Yeah, they abandoned. They are not, they are not the definitive standard of masculinity. It's just exactly. that's true. That's true. I'm not going with the not all men. I, I don't do the not all men, but those are important experiences. Or some people who just wake up and say, "I'm not working today," and there's nothing you're going to do. Do what you have to do. That's on you. Those are your kids. If you don't, no, work, and that, so is that is true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I'm encouraging you. Actually, I'm actually encouraging you that you don't yeah. give up. Yes, you feel the anxiety. But you know, I'm. A, I don't want to get too off point. But I also feel like if people feel a lot of pressure, oh God, don't 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 stab me or anything. But maybe people should not have kids. You know, like enjoy yourself, enjoy your life, and you know, I know we're supposed to end at five, so I, you know, so maybe people shouldn't feel pressure to have kids. You know, but encouraging you, Justin, as well. That thank you for not giving up. But there are also so many people who do, who either abandon or who don't care that, you know, they have this responsibility. I, I can jump on that point. I can jump on that point just quickly before we end, because what Justin said is, is you put it brilliantly. Look, these brains that we have, they haven't changed for 100,000 years. The game in terms of intergender dynamics is set by, by women at the end of the day. Women, we, we, we display the same way cow will come and like fight with the other cow just to get the, the, the prettiest looking cow. It's the same thing with human beings. We, women exist. Men have to, we have to display. We have to come and either fight or again, it all comes out to that. And fundamentally, that's not going to change because that's the game. I always say the game is the game. Don't lower the hoop. Learn to dunk higher. It's simple. Don't go post. Exactly. Don't lower the hoop. Just dunk higher. So the game is the game. And what you said is like, that that is true. As a man, if you haven't got, you know, I always say three things make you valuable to women: look, status, affluence. All right. And if you haven't got a combination of those things, all right, like that kind of thing. If you don't have, so, like, you, sorry, it's like you're a philosopher. Right? But yeah. some people, you would agree though that that's changing because a lot of okay, no, the reality is okay. Let's look at it. I know Annie's like, let's end this. Let's end this. Yeah. But I just want to say something really quickly. Yeah. The reality is that there are more men than women, for example, in Nigeria, right? But then there are more unemployed and jobless men in Nigeria, right, equally. But then you have a lot of pressure on women to get Can the woman from... Can can the madam from... So a lot of women are marrying unemployed and jobless men. So whether you have affluent social status or whatever it is you're referring to, women are still marrying them regardless. Okay, okay. We're in that territory now. It's important I make this point. Mr. Ashorona, are you giving us another 30 minutes? You did it during that. Five minutes, five minutes. It's important I make this point. I hear what Mary said. Again, it comes out to the whole thing where it's such a like well, one, come on my, right because for the throughout the history of time, men have been marrying downwards. I'm using the word downwards. The average guy is marrying a lady that hasn't got no money as much as money as he has, but we don't look at it as a thing. So I'm not trying to claim for equality. I'm saying that's just the game. And guess what? Women set the game. They say, look, 
if you want this, you got to bring this. That's the game. And I, I don't hate the game. I'm a guy. I understood early on that if that's the game, I'm going to go to school. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, Funke is telling me she doesn't want to like me now because I don't have money. But Funke, see me now. See me now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, when, you know, guys, you will not be bad. Sorry, yeah, you're a bad boy at heart, man. You know, because let's, let's be real. Every one of us, me, you, Bola, Justin, we've we've had that thing in life where we've seen a girl with like every man has been through it, and you like you know spit your game on point game. But there's a way to look at you that you reevaluate your life size. choices. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you you go home, you know you're not the problem. You just be like, oh man, we've lived to fight another day. It's not, it's not, it's not just. I imagine you yourself in the mirror a lot. You look like someone does that. <laughs> it's just not courting women alone, though. It's not just recording women alone. It's it's even like I won't lie. Like when I was in secondary school, I I, I was I was a bright student, but I wasn't the best student because I I played a lot and everything. And then probably even people wouldn't believe I was a U.S. citizen. Anytime I said it in class, they would just laugh at me. And then now I'm not saying that I've arrived now, but you know some things have I've I've worked well for me. Mama, look at her. <laughs> calm down. I even to calm down. Let me make my point. <laughs> when you see me now, at least even if I don't have money, I have network. I have small influence. Relax. People, people, they'll be like, this guy. And I can tell, like, their reaction when you see me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing different, right? That's the same conversation we're going to have. So, I mean, I, I totally get what money but it's just not a money thing for me too there are a lot of things that can push you up in status it's, it's not it's not just money I, I i like money don't get me wrong but when you when you see okay when you have access as to you have money as a guy but sorry uh, let me even reframe this thing as a guy you like it or you don't like it you have to have it's it. inconsequential. You need it. You need it. So you're like now for your pockets. <laughs> so get the you money because you know it's the only way to live a healthy, productive life, whether you're a male or you're a female, it does not matter. You need to be able to make certain transactions. You have to pay rent. You have to buy food. You have to pay bills. Money gives you freedom. You can't go on vacation if you don't have money. Well, like I, money. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like. Can I point out something that something we that are not arguing against money for, though? It's not a for, anti-money for, for men and women. Yeah. Let me point out something that evens the scale for men and women. You see, growing up, you know, my brothers, my brother really did, you know, was rascally and played a lot and all of that. And you know, they would come and tell him, you know, see, listen, you know, these girls you are following to play, they will marry somebody else who will take their responsibility. You. You are the one that somebody is depending on to come and save them and take their responsibility. Hmm. So, you know, while that, that was, you know, the prevailing narrative, something else happened. As a lot of girls grew into puberty and then women, women, they also saw that, you know, women, a lot of women who took that route of security in a man's blanket ended up in the cold. Hmm. So everybody sat up. Money became important to everybody. For everybody, you know. So you know, from when 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 you see people go from you know a certain level of comfort to um to near squalor just because you know of a change in their relationship status, then you know you start have, you start to ask yourself real questions and say, you know, I need something that that's that's what money is for me. By the way, money is security for me. So for me, it's 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 also not like Mary said, not about 
not really per se about the specific amount, but it is what guarantees me survival without depending on another person by virtue of, you know, what we've seen in the society. And I think that that's what evens it out for men and women because, you know, nowadays, you know, you don't see women who say things like, oh, you know, I'm not going to do anything with myself. I'm just going to, you know, make myself pretty and one man is going to save me because they now know that, you, you know, been this, on Instagram? that guy... Irene, Irene, uh, calm down. <laughs> So we take it. Yeah, I, don't care, I don't care what anyone says. There are some people that will just sit down anyhow. They're making their own money, but they'll wait for the next one to come and bring them all their money. You know, without even thinking about the fact that hey, you're making money too. Why does this guy have to come and you know bring you all their money? And it happens. It happens across the board. I don't. I don't care what whoever you are. Yeah. You know, I think that money is important to everyone. How they. Choose choose to interact with it it's a whole different story mm-hmm. so and i you know for me it's i've seen people that say he if he doesn't have this this and this it's not going to work you know and vice and vice versa i've seen guys that are like listen you know i did all this and it's about to blow up ain't no way i'm just gonna take this woman who's not doing this this and this so it, it goes both ways it just depends on whom you're dealing with you know because i don't you're right. People may not sit down and say, I'm just going to do my own. Yes, but then now you're putting expectations on the person that comes along. So, you know, what is your expectation and what's your reality and what are you bringing to the table at the end of the day? All right. Yeah. We have to close. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'll give everybody one minute. <laughs> I'll give everyone one minute to close and then me and Justin will wrap it, wrap it up. So, but thank you so much to everyone that that uh, on the panel, and to everyone that tuned in. This has been really, really good and and very enlightening. We tried to, I've been trying to get us to come to a conclusion, but then Irene always has one joker to pull out, and then triggers everybody. <laughs> Table breaker. And then everybody, and then everybody wants to fight. Irene, let me just tell you, eh, this thing if the reads on Twitter, yeah, it's soup. <laughs> You, you just need to add Irene I mean, as a third co-host. Irene, I up to. Anyways, thank you so much, guys. So, one minute for everyone to wrap up. Irene, you want to get us going? So, my two cents in one minute is this: between both genders, it's clear that we're different. It's clear that you know our socialization is different. It's clear that our objectives are different, and our goals are different. But what is what is common between us? Is survival. And I think that we need to 
we need to always have that at at the back of our minds as we interact. But more importantly, is that this race to uniformity that we see in, in, in opinion that we see that is prevailing in, in, in the space also, you know, does not give room for us to express our individualities, both as, you know, genders and as people and our, in ourselves. And it's one of those things that we need to be able to understand. If women want, you know, a much more equitable interaction, with men, then they must be willing to understand. Although if men want a much more equitable interaction with women, you know, they must be willing to listen to women. So it, it's not, you know, oh, please, if I disagree with a misogynist or, you know, you don't want to support women and all of that, or, you know, you don't want to order on the meal and you don't want to take accountability. By the way, I've swung between both ends in the last two days, you know, so I've gone from <laughs> I've gone from guys, please don't hit women because you know you can kill somebody and you will go to jail for nothing just because you know you were in the raid. And it's like, oh my god, she's a misandrist, she doesn't like men. How about you talk to women? You know, you don't want to see too. Okay, you know, maybe this woman shouldn't have you know deceived her husband. I'm like, one girl actually told me, hey, this man that you're every time you're supporting men, every time men agree you. with you. Mm. Something is they won't pick you like that. Something is wrong, <laughs> you know. That's that really is my my two cents. Let's be a lot more willing to listen to the other side. Let's be a lot more willing to look at the big picture. I hope I've been able to convince and not confuse you. <laughs> With your twenty points of yours. <laughs> all right, all right, sorry. Sorry, sorry. One minute. I'm counting though. Yeah, I think it's been a wonderful conversation. I think we've, first of all, we've had a conversation mostly about like gender differences and we haven't actually like disagreed with each other. No one has tried to kill the other person yet. And I think most of the time, this is where most people live in is the center. But again, the Don and Cooker effect means that places like Twitter would always amplify the... Yeah. Extremist the, voice, the, the, the incels and the feminists. I call them the incels and the feminists. That makes everybody Justin feel like Justin has a plan for them. Or Justin is going to start charging hundred dollars a month to it. It must be a, a close group. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be very surprised. But I think it's it's also really interesting to hear all your takes. I think, me personally, I think as I'm probably the youngest person on this panel, right? So, and I feel like. We've not done a good job because I always tell people at my age going on 35, you know, like we've not done a good job of telling young men and women today. You know, we're living in this very postmodernist vibe. Everything, everybody is the same and everything. It's with any tears because, <laughs> and the funny thing is to any tears when you're like 42, you're not living with uh, some angelic cards, you know. It's for both men and women, it's to end the tears. And then you see them writing blog posts. How I wish I did not listen to this. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like we, can, we can do a better job being honest about. So, um, so this is making some strong points because I, no, I, I have the same sentiments. That all this thing, I'm with you. Exactly. And people will be saying, ah, no. You will see everybody's strong in chest. Ah, no. My man must have this, this. They can't even get a pin pep. But she replied, <laughs> are you? Are you like, not from two sentences? Oh, what? <laughs> sorry, Zero, sorry, Zero. Are you saying I say he wants to marry down with his daughter? He doesn't even have my head. You have to start telling people the truth. You have to start telling them the truth to prepare them. 
All right. So guys, um, who's next? Please wrap up because we need to just get out. So <laughs> one, one minute or less, please, quickly. All right. I'm, I'm going to jump in. I'm still all about women having their own stash only because, once again, you know, not your own, you know, in terms of like whatever. I'm talking about secret stash. You know, there should always be a rainy day money is what they're what we call it. You know, an account where you don't touch. So I'm all about that. Yes, you can throw that money everywhere. And Mr. I need to know where the money's at. <laughs> so good luck, because you're going to find that a lot of women do actually will always keep some type of secret stash just because somebody in their family told them to do it. So, but in terms of the gender differences, I think that it was great that we all had, you know, our different perspectives and being able to talk about our backgrounds in order to reflect, you know, how we landed where we landed. And I think it was good to see all the different perspectives of how people were and the expectations and, you know, how we are now. So, you know, thank you for a good conversation. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, I'll just um, jump in. Yeah, it's been such a great conversation. And Bala, thank you so much for inviting me to this. Ani and Irene and Justin and Sonny, it's been really fun. Yeah, I learned so much. I actually don't think, I wouldn't refer, and to to point to Sonny's point, I wouldn't refer anyone as a semi-Nazi. I think everyone's really affected by their life experiences and whatever their trauma is. If you really sit down with someone who you consider a feminist, you have a lot of traumatic experiences, sometimes with men, sometimes with, you know, their father, whatever it is. Shots fired. Did someone just spit out their drink? (laughs) So, So, yeah, I mean, in terms of are men and women different, I think in an ideal world, we would like for there to be like this fairness and everything to be different, uh, to be the same. But obviously, there are differences that do that are there, biological differences, the way for socialize, whatever it is. But I think you know this could be an ongoing conversation. I think it's a very important one, and you know I had so much fun. <laughs> thank you, thank you, oh God, Justin. So thanks to all our guests. We really appreciate you. Thanks for coming. Hopefully, you answer our call again when we need you for other topics. Thank you so much. Thank oh, you. me, Justin. Close us out so we can head out. My children are already fighting me. We're in front of the whole world, though. (laughs) You know, my God, what do you mean? I don't understand, though. I'm not asking for money. Don't worry. You don't need for anxiety. People should not mind you. It's just heightening my anxiety. Anyway, so what's my... what, What are my final summarizing thoughts? They're all over the place because we've touched on so many important things and I'm already reflecting. So I, I, I'm looking, I'm also looking at the time, the comments on the timeline and people are quite keen on that conversation we started with, which is the issue of the 10%, 40%. So let me start with stating what my thoughts on that are. Number one, it is reasonable for a woman in today's world to have a secret stash, right? To mm-hmm. have a reserve of money. Um, let, let me do it with the word secret. To have mm-hmm. a reserve of money. It, it, there is every reason for you to want to do that. There is, however, ways to do that without undermining the trust in your relationship, right? Which is what we yeah, saw, amen. which is what I saw in this particular example that trended, right? She, she, had, yeah. she, had, she had a good cause, but the, go, the way she went about it just through a spanner in the works. And, and that speaks to this socialization, how we are not taught about how this adulting thing works. And 
but we are told about all the negative things to expect in marriage. And I mean, talking about marriage these days is almost like talking about war. It's almost like you're going if you're talking about marital relationships of any or even hunger game. Intergender relationships is almost like yes, it's an active crime scene. So everybody that is on the scene is a suspect until proven otherwise. And I think that's that's negative socialization, and that's something people need to begin to exercise their own agency to learn. There are resources out there. There are books. There's there's the internet. In fact, I don't give more than one. Instance. There's the internet for you to the same internet that is. You're using to radicalize yourself on both sides. We need to become a bit more centered. We need to become a bit more balanced in our views. We need to allow people to express themselves, labeling, cancel culture. And I think these are things that we eventually talk about on Serious Banter. All these things are contributing to a very toxic, ongoing conversation between genders. And I just think all of that needs to stop. And dishonesty. Yeah, and dishonesty, exactly. Otherwise, like Sunny said, it will end in tears. <laughs> so Ogabos, back to you, sir. I'm done. All right. Thank you so much so much. Uh this has been a very engaging conversation. Thanks. It'll be out on the podcast fairly soon. So I'd rather sign off. But thanks again. Catch us again next week. Next week's show is probably going to be maybe one of our biggest shows to date. Because we are talking beyond music and we will have I think we have a L D Dr. Seed, Emanaira, and Foza. Uh, Foza is, I think, Timaya and yeah, Tenny's lawyer. So we'll have a good conversation and uh, have fun next week. And the collective is also welcome to join us. Uh, but thanks again. This was a good conversation. My own takeaway is let's stop shifting the goalposts. Whatever it is we are discussing, let's talk about the face value. Stay in one place. Uh, let the thunder fire you. Let the fire you. <laughs> Yeah, let's stop the shalaye. Because me, Justin has said I should have more patience and I should start listening a little bit more and having more conversation. But once the conversation is veering off what we are talking about, I'm out. Wow. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much to meet again. Thank you. All right. All right. See you next week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, do remember to subscribe to our channels and follow our social media handles as well so that you can stay informed about subsequent episodes. And if you have any tips, suggestions, feedback, or inquiry, do send us a message on any of our handles and we will be in touch. See you on the next episode.